I think there are things that we are going to step into as the church and, and actually things that you're going to step into in terms of your local church in a specific location with a specific group of people that are only going to be unlocked by being close to God and hearing that gentle whisper. And of course, there's so much to be learned from other churches, how they're doing things practically. But, but I just think there's things that God wants to release in us and his people that might be unique to your church, where there's going to be incredible favour on it. And I think if you're constantly racing hard, listening and watching what every other church leader's doing, that's going to be the thing that dictates your future rather than it being God. Well, hey, it's Jason here, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. Today, we have the privilege of sitting down with Tim Hughes. We had an incredible conversation, and I know you're going to love it. Now, you might know Tim Hughes as a worship leader. He's written songs that a lot of us sing in our churches like Happy Day or Here I Am to Worship, and Tim has helped shape the modern worship expression in so many different ways. But what a lot of people don't know about Tim and his wife, Rachel, is that they pastor a church in Birmingham. England, their church planners, and the work they're doing at St. Luke's Gas Street in Birmingham is absolutely incredible. And I've personally looked up to Tim a lot as not just a voice in the church because of his worship leading, but because of his thoughts in leadership in the local church and creating a place of encounter and discipleship and a church multiplying movement. We talk about a lot of these things in our conversation, so I can't wait for you to hear it. But just before we jump in with Tim, I want to highlight the partners that make this podcast possible each week. Our partners invest in this podcast because they love the local church across Canada and they want leaders like you to be encouraged and supported in the work that you do. And so tons of gratitude for Compassion Canada and Briarcrest College and Seminary, two incredible ministries and partners who are helping make this podcast happen each week. And hey, and while we're doing thank yous, why don't I just take a moment to thank you, our listeners. We're having so much fun as we kind of grow this growing network of pastors and leaders across Canada around the world who are leaning into this conversation. And our prayer really is that these conversations, that they would spark new ideas in your mind, that they would encourage you and build you up. And most importantly, that they would turn all of our attention towards Jesus and the amazing things that he is up to in our time and in our land. Okay, with all that said, why don't we jump into today's conversation with Tim Hughes. Well, hey, Tim, very, very grateful for your time today, man. Thanks for being with us. Thank and you. for those that don't know you very well, give us a little bit of a snapshot of your world right now. Yes, yeah, so I uh, live in Birmingham, which is in the center, bang in the center of the UK, uh, lead a church for my wife called Gastric Church. Uh, we have four kids, and uh, so we've been, you know, balancing leading a church and homeschooling. So my uh, my maths has gone through the roof. Um, <laughs> previously, um, well, still lead worship. Written songs. Um, I oversee a ministry with a whole bunch of friends called Worship Central, which is a vision to train and equip worship leaders. It has hubs all over the world and um, some really exciting stuff going on in Canada. So uh, that's a bit about, I guess, what I do. Oh, man. Well, we're really grateful. Uh, worship Central in Canada has been a huge resource to hundreds, maybe even thousands of churches across Canada. And um, yeah, we're just so grateful for the leadership you have to that and that just your heart to give things away. Like, I think that's what's really stood out to me about that ministry is this is posture of being like any denomination, any church wanting to support churches to grow in, in worship ministry. So grateful for that. And if we got time, I'd love to just take some time before we finish this conversation, talk a little bit about that, because I know every church is trying to figure out how do you create dynamic culture of worship uh, and you're working with volunteers often. Uh, so hopefully we'll have some time to chat about that. But before we go there, I'd just love to hear a bit about the story of planting Gas Street Church. I think some people might know you as a worship leader, um, but your world primarily over the last number of years has been church planting and then through your church in Birmingham, planting other churches. So can you just tell us a little bit about that story and really like, how did you find yourself in a position of wanting to plant a church like that? Yeah, so uh, I'd been at HTB in London for 10 years as the worship pastor. Really, really loved it. And I think just the last few years, um, I kind of began to really consider church leadership. My dad's a pastor, so I guess you always, it's in the back of your mind, I wonder if I'll end up doing this. And um, I loved leading worship, but I guess I really got excited about being involved in leading a church and ministry that could 
be, a, I guess, a vehicle to train and equip other mm. worship leaders to really engage in a city and, and try and build a community to make a difference. Got more and more excited by that. So I, I began to train uh, St. Melitis, like Theological College. And um, and then I guess you get to the point where you're thinking, okay, what next? Uh, where, where is it going to Where is it going to be? Where are we going to plant a church? We'd been part of being in London, and London, you know, arguably, and I know you might challenge this, being near Vancouver, but arguably, London <laughs> is the greatest city in the world. You know, stunning. And and when you're living in London, you feel like it's the centre of the world. You feel like, you know, if you want to change the world, you change London. You, you hear all of this stuff. So we're thinking, you know, London, London, London. And then um, an opportunity opened up for Birmingham. And actually, I, uh, I grew up in Birmingham. Uh, but Birmingham, probably in the UK, isn't known as the kind of the cool city. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's the second largest city in the UK, but it's got a bit of a reputation. So we were a bit like, oh, really, Birmingham? Surely, you know, London or maybe even Paris, Tokyo, you know, Cape Town. But we thought, let's, let's explore. And I think when hmm. these things, opportunities come before you, got to at least entertain them begin to dream and so we spent a bit of time in Birmingham and began to think and pray and we just got really really excited we kind of thought right we're just going to keep walking through the doors if the doors keep opening up we'll take it as God and so we uh I guess five years ago found ourselves getting really excited about moving to Birmingham and planting a church so we we left HDB with probably about 20 plus people who amazingly moved uh to Birmingham to be part of the adventure with us and uh, I mean, one of the big faith adventures for us with the church was we had found this amazing building. It's an old kind mm. of warehouse. It's called a gas retort house. So it was a building right in the city center that had been used to generate gas. So they bring coal off the canals. They, you know, generate it into gas to be used for all the street lamps around uh, the city. But obviously, uh, you know, electricity power change and the building become redundant. No one would buy it because... Uh, no one, the council weren't willing to sort of allow it to be used for apartments or restaurants or hotels. But amazingly, he said, look, you, we'll let you turn it into a church. But then we had uh, this kind of adventure of moving with 20 people, had this building, we needed to raise 1.2 million pounds just to make it a place we could worship in, you know, electricity, safe, you know, plumbing, all of that stuff. And so it almost like the church plant started with this massive financial mir miraculous hmm. adventure of God, how's this going to happen? And again, it was incredible. Money just poured in. And uh, within a year, we were in the building. Wow. And uh, we, we, we've actually, I mean, it's kind of, we've used that physical pitch of the building being a historical source of physical light in the city to say, God, would this be a spiritual source of light? You know, that Matthew 5, city on the hill, you know, Jesus saying to us as his people, you are the light of the world. And so we've been on this amazing adventure of seeing the church grow, trying to engage in the city, trying to understand how do you connect and reach city with the gospel, um, a city that is demographically the youngest in Europe. So a lot hmm. of young people who are out partying, who are spiritually open, but not really engaged with church. Um, and so it's been a pretty exciting uh, adventure. I mean, gosh, lots to communicate and share on it, hmm. but. Well, I'd love to chat more about it. Like, so you're five years in and there was a real um, desire as you plant, as I understand it, that this would be yeah. a church multiplying church. Yes. Um, and I've heard yeah. you use the idea of like, even like a city center resource church. Yeah. Can you just speak yeah, yeah. to that sort of ethos, what that means to even plant with that type of thing in mind? Yeah. So I, I think the vision really was not just to go into a city and plant a church and try and grow a massive church. Um, but actually to go into a city and to build a church that's got a vision to then plant other churches, to creep, keep multiplying itself. And, you know, I, I believe um, one of the most effective forms of evangelism is church planting. And it's so effective in many ways, partly because I think when you plant with a church, you, you're so much better at releasing leaders. Everyone has to play their part. You, mm. you, bigger the church has become, the more energy can be spent on maintaining Sundays and people get a bit more casual and they just come and consume. But when it's like third of you in a new area, you're all praying like crazy, you're financially giving, you know, everyone is on the worship team or preaching or youth work or kids, you know, you get amazing buy-in. And then of course what happens 
is when you, you you're all in and you care about it you're inviting all your mates hmm. you, you know, um i heard some one person say of, of a church when someone is serving on a team in a church on average they'll invite five people to attend that church because they feel ownership and buy-in and i think church hmm. plant you see that and so we, we kind of we started and as we began to communicate the vision we said look this is a church and we, we talked about this so that we want to keep being uncomfortable we want to be a church um for the uncomfortable and and that keeps this posture of we're ready to to move to to step into the unknown to try new things and and that was really important because we you know we, we started with the kind of the pressure of and the kind of sense of having to lean into god for financial provision but but then um pretty quickly we um had this opportunity to plant into Coventry, which is a city sort of 30 minutes away from Birmingham. Um, and so we managed to gather a team, about 25 people. We, we sent them off with some money. And that was probably about 18 months, two years into the church plant, to go and plant in Coventry. And now they're meeting on a Sunday. I know they've got 200, 250, 300 people gathering each mm. Sunday working. Amazing. You know, they're seeing people come to Christ, Alpha, they're praying, you know, and, and soon they're going to start planting. And, and then, you know, we, we've been able to plant into a, um, another kind of location in the city centre with a vision to maybe connect with the business community there. Um, we've actually planted into the Netherlands uh, community there and, and it's beautiful seeing what's happening there. We're about to plant into another part of the city. And so actually it's really exciting to, to, to be able to keep having this sense of we're raising leaders up to go. This is not a mm. church you're going to come and sit down and consume and just sing along and listen to the talk. And, no, this is a church where you're going to come. We're going to pray that you get involved, um, you filled with the Holy Spirit, but then you step out into mm. lots of different ministry. And we believe church planting is a key one. And we've seen you know, amazing growth, amazing sense of extending God's kingdom in these different areas through this vision of church planting. And yes, it's costly. And yes, it can be a bit messy. And yes, you know, it's a lot of work. But I honestly think it's such an important way to, to reach the community. And in, and in fact, I think in light of everything we're seeing with COVID-19 and the uncertainty about the future and, and larger gatherings particularly are more difficult, it seems to me now is the time more than ever to really get going mm. to church. Can you tell me a bit about the experience as a leader, as a pastor, of like raising people up knowing that they're probably going to leave your doors and then watching good leaders leave? And yeah, just, it, yeah, like what, tell me about that experience. It's painful. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm so grateful. I mean, I, I was <clears throat> mentored by two amazing men, Mike Pilavachi, who heads up a thing called Sosvara, Nikki Gumbel, used to be an alpha. And they both have had this incredible kingdom posture of you, you give your best away. You give your best away. And, and and I guess serving under them and seeing that happen and then God providing hmm. new people, new you know, that the kind of the deficit is always more than made up by God. And so the first time we planted the church planted a church and you sort of saw a list of names coming through who were thinking about going, you're like, No, you can't, you mustn't, you know, <laughs> oh no, you know, you're one of our givers. Oh you know, no, the worst we need you. And, and, and there's a bit of you that selfishly wants, you know, there's a whole bunch of people you'd very happily let go of. Yeah, I'd be plant. great if you guys want to plant a church. Yeah. In fact, I'd encourage really, that. Really think about it. Um, but actually, this is a bit of where faith comes in and generosity. And it's like, actually, God, if we want this church plant to flourish and thrive, and if our vision isn't just about us growing a big church for, let's be honest, the temptation can be, and we disguise it with all these spiritual words, but for our ego to make ourselves feel great and look great. Um, if our real genuine heart is to see the kingdom of God come here in Birmingham, as it is in heaven, you know, here on earth as it is in heaven, then the kingdom mindset is we, we need multiple churches to flourish. And we know that they're mm. going to most likely flourish when godly men and women who've got a call on their lives to lead are released. And so, um, and, and then when you release generosity, much more likely that that church will release generosity. And then you just get this beautiful journey yeah. and story of, of so much life and blessing. And so, and so but it, but it, it, it is costly. And I, I do think, I think we, we, we've, try to be intentional because I think the danger is, and we talked about this because we've got a vision to plant many, many churches. So if for our first church plant, you know, 
300 of our very best leaders all went, you know, our church would be decimated. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't be able... So, so there is a bit of an intentionality about how can we do this in a way that's sustainable? That means we can plant many churches, but actually it means these churches can really start strong. So the, just practically a way we've done that is when I'm talking, or Rachel and I are talking to the leaders, they're going to plant this church. We'll say, look, you go away, pull together the list of people you would love to invite and ask, and then bring it back and we'll discuss it. And, and, and so you can see, okay, yeah, I, I totally agree with all of these people. Let's go for it. Um, and we try and be intentional about who we kind of ask and encourage to maybe consider it. Now, of course, some people will say, I just know God's been speaking, and you're not going to stand in the way of that. Sure. But I, but I do think as a leader, you want to release church plants to grow and flourish whilst also thinking, how can you keep building what God's doing here so that you can plant more churches over years mm. to come? What does it look like? to identify someone who could go out and plant a church and then what does it look like like what's the mechanics of their time with you like you might have two years five years whatever it might be what does that look like kind of under the hood within your organization it's we're part of church of england which challenges you know technically or historically you, you need to send out people who have already been ordained and so the the leaders we've sent out so far you know they've come to spend time with us um it's varied from uh a year to kind of well nine months actually to kind of two years and i think the thing we've found is two things one is you've got to give them responsibility whilst they're with you to lead because i've I found people will go with someone on a church plant for two reasons number one relationship i just love this guy you know if they're going to go and do this then i'm up for the adventure because i love spending time with them so that's the relationship thing is really important. That takes time to build. And then secondly, it's the, it's the vision, compelling, exciting vision. Um, but if you just get someone who, who does one preach and says, but there's no connection or relationship, you're not going to get tons of people going with them. So we found the great thing is if you give that person responsibility, leadership, profile, a group of people that they're kind of connecting with weekly over a period of time, that's most likely going to be the group that goes. Hmm. And so, so we've, we've, we've been intentional with that. But the second thing we've been really intentional in almost pulling together, right, here are some of the big things that we, we need to um, speak to you about in terms of what you need to be thinking through in leadership and plant, you know, finances. How are you going to sustain prayer? How are you going to um, release leaders? How are you going to grow the worship? You know, preaching, all of these kind of big things that need, you know, building teams and um, allowing people to kind of really think and grapple with some of those issues hmm. whilst they're in an environment where they can be asking people and thinking it through and, and discussing it. So I think that you, you do need to be really, really intentional. Uh, not much of this stuff happens by kind of, uh, you know, fluke, you know, it involves thought. Hmm. Earlier we were chatting, we were comparing notes on, you know, for those listening, we're in the midst of we're still in the midst of the COVID pandemic and varying countries and regions have different restrictions. And it sounds like at least to this part of Canada where I am in British Columbia and where you're at, the restrictions are very similar, very difficult to gather people for church. If you do, you're not singing, they're all that different stuff. And uh, for leaders at any time in leadership, but it feels like this season has exposed it. There's this sense by which a, there's an exhaustion of trying to lead with constant change, but then also just such uncertainty about the future. I mean, I, th- I know it's an illusion. We don't yeah. know the future, but now more than ever, it's clear to us that we don't like, we don't know how to predict what yeah. type of things we can do come Christmas time. Like that's not even like, yeah. what does that even mean? And so I just love to chat with you. Cause I know you've got some thoughts about what does it look like to become a leader? Who's even comfortable in this space of uncertainty about the future, but then all these other pressures that come in around comparison and fear. And yeah, just like what's, how are you processing this season as a leader? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think this is definitely the last four months have been the most challenging and stretching time of my life as a, as a leader. I mean, I can't, I can't ever remember being stretched like this. And you, you know, you think you have suddenly we're in lockdown and we've had to shift and pivot a whole staff team to being online um and you know we're, we're only four and a half years old as a church you know we're still kind of growing and figuring out stuff and then also the, the social needs in the city have been extreme so we've been working really hard food deliveries calling people who are isolated debt relief counseling 
So that's a massive piece of work. And then suddenly we've had, um, which I think has been deeply, deeply painful, but also I think it's a, um, an amazing opportunity for us as a church is this whole thing around uh, race and racial prejudice mm -hmm. that we've, we've seen and uh, in the church in the uk our history has been pretty atrocious on this so there's been a lot of anger a lot of hurt and as a leader we've been connecting with people in our church who mm. who, who, are, who are really hurting and you know you're trying to understand you're trying to listen you're trying to and actually now's the time you know for, for a white privileged leader to stand so well it's very clear here are the next you know steps that was deeply inappropriate the point is People like me, we need to be listening and learning and thinking and praying and collaborating and conversing. How do we move forward? So you've, you've got this massively deep issue, which is centuries old. And then uh, a couple of other things for us as a church, we've had you know some financial challenges, which I think many, many churches, charities will be having and processing that. How do you care for your team? Um, and, and then you're beginning to look at the future. So it's sounding rather depressing, isn't it? Um, but then you look to the future and uh, it is just so unknown. And I think leaders love to kind of really be able to imagine what the future is going to look like. And it's like some of the parameters which we're used to imagining within are gone. You know, I love worship. That's been my background. Someone's been, someone said to us, a key leader in, um, in the UK, that, potentially they don't think you'll be allowed to sing in church for a year now i don't mm. know if that's true but that's changes a massive amount of how you potentially yeah. do gather church um all the kind of social distance all these so it's really really challenging and, and i think one of the things i've found at times the danger within all of these pressures that they, they basically push on you and they bring out the best but also the worst <laughs> of you and i've seen in myself and talked to a lot of leaders where suddenly this thing of comparison or decision making out of fear i think i i, I felt that temptation you, you're, you're making a decision not because you necessarily feel conviction over it or god's spoken about it but because other churches around are doing it right you know so, right. so one of the decisions is when do you start to open up the door some churches are beginning to do it and you think, if we don't are we going to lose out on our congregation and quick guys we've, we've got to open up and your team like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't care what you think. You know, X, Y, Z churches around the corner, they've opened up. We're doing it, you know. And it's all based out of fear. And I think particularly at the moment, one of the things I feel God's been speaking to me about, and for, for a church leader, I, I, I'd, I'd want to encourage you to recognize the exhaustion you must mm. be feeling, the pressure you've been under just to kind of engage with the reality of the last few months. Again, I heard this thing Tim Keller was saying after 9-11. Obviously, you saw this incredible boom in the church in New York and spiritual openness and <clears throat> churches were growing like crazy. A lot of the churches and the leaders and the staff, they managed to sustain the intensity for about 18 months. But within two years, many of those church leaders had burnt out. There was an incredible mm. high rate of burnout disillusionment because they just couldn't maintain the intensity. And I, and I think if church leaders aren't careful we will see a very similar thing because we're leading in a very pressured, emotional, confusing, challenging time. And so I, I found myself going to uh, the story of Elijah. <clears throat> and after, you know, the great story of Mount Carmel where he takes on the prophets of Baal, and, you know, this miraculous, you know, the fire kind of spontaneously, um, uh, you know, Elijah prays and it kind of spontaneously kind of bursts into flames and this amazing spiritual high point where uh, God proved himself to be uh, victorious and glorious and to be, to be God. Elijah then um, is threatened by the king Ahab and his wife Jezebel and he freaks out and he flees. And we read about him, you know, he sits down by a tree and he's talking about committing suicide, he's exhausted, he thinks he's the only one, no one cares, take my life. God, I'm no better than my ancestors. And he basically, he falls asleep. And what does God do? Uh, God cooks for him, sends an angel, cooks this beautiful bread, uh, jar of water. He eats and he drinks. And then Elijah falls asleep again. And another angel appears and cooks for him. And, and I just think it's remembering that God wants to take care of our physical needs. Hmm. We spend so much time worrying about our spiritual needs. You know, what's God's plan? What's God doing? Am I praying enough? Am I doing enough? I think God would want to say to some people, just have a break, have a rest, eat out, watch a good movie, take care, you know, have a few sleeps. God cares about our physical needs. But then 
again, you know the story. Elijah goes and he he's um, at Mount Horeb, and you know God begins to reveal Himself, but it, you know comes through it with a, a powerful wind and then there's an earthquake and then there's a fire but God isn't in any of those God reveals himself in a gentle whisper and this beautiful sense of intimacy um, mm. just that sense of a gentle to, to hear a gentle whisper you have to be still you have to be close you have to be listening um, and then, then what does God do he begins to speak to Elijah and he begins to give him this really key strategic advice clear strategic direction for the future um who to appoint who to you know release leadership to how to do things how to move forward and i, I just feel really challenged and uh, praying into this myself but i, I again want to say to leaders i think there are things that we are going to step into as the church and and actually things that you're going to step into in terms of your local church in a specific location with a specific group of people that are only going to be unlocked by being close to God and hearing that gentle mm. whisper. And of course, there's so much to be learned from other churches, how they're doing things practically. But but I just think there's things that God wants to release in us and his people that might be unique to your church where there's going to be incredible favor on it. And I think if you're constantly racing hard, listening and watching what every other church leader is doing, that's going to be the thing that dictates your future rather than it being God. And so I think that's why these disciplines of prayer, of reflection, of solitude, of, of listening, of intimacy and worship are so key because I think God is going to just deposit ideas, dreams, possibilities that, that are going to enable us to step into new postures of ministry, new fruitfulness uh, that I think God has for us. So I think it's really key that we mm. are listening and being bold to act because you might be the only church doing that. You might be the only leader stepping out of that. Um, and that's scary. Mm. I think one of the things as a pastor is it's scary how easily you can find yourself pointing people to the place you described but not accessing it yourself. It just happens so easily. You can find yourself being like, and I know there's lots of people listening. They're like, yeah, I just finished my two and a half hour quiet time this morning. Awesome. <laughs> Glad that you had time for that in the podcast. But then there's others being like, I don't even really want to, to be honest with myself because it's been a while since I've just been still. Maybe, maybe intercession, maybe pleading with God over things, prayer meetings, but just alone with God. And I just wonder, Tim, like, what you think for the leader that feels like they really resonate with some of the things you said around comparison or fear, overwhelmed, tired, just how do you, what, what does it look like to just sort of begin again or to draw near in a fresh way to the Lord? Yeah. There's a verse, well-known verse, Romans 12, verse one, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercies to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And I realize so often I'm, I'm offering my body as a living, as a sense of duty, as a sense of that's what I need to do. That's what I've been programmed and I've almost disciplined myself to do. And that's what I feel good about doing. But actually, it's in view of God's mercy. And if we're not creating space to consider and think about God's mercy, mm. then, then we're always going to end up in that posture of striving. And, and the truth is, we, we, we all find different ways of connecting with God. Um, but it, it's just creating space. And I think some of it is um, we don't trust God enough. Hmm. I mean, I, that, if I'm honest, that's, that's one of my wrestles, is I fear that my vision for my life and my church is bigger than God's is for my life and my church and my family. And so when, when, we, when, we, when we fear that, what we do is, well, it's down to me, kiddo. So I've got to put in all the meetings. I've got to dry, you know, every sermon series, you know, I've got to up the standard of the worship and the online content. We've got to get these graphics and I've got to go and recruit this lead and I've got to fundraise and meet with all these, you know, it's exhausting. But it's, it's because I, I think basically the only person who's going to get this church or this ministry as big as I think it should be is, is me. Mm. And that's just exhausting. and it, it doesn't work. And so when you realize actually 
this is God's battle. This is God's thing. I, I, I just get to amazingly partner with him in it. But it's, it's on his terms and his way. And actually the, the most fruitful thing I can do is, is to lean into him in prayer. And uh, I think over the, this last three, four months, you know, I, I've certainly found myself praying more than I've ever prayed before. Hmm. If I'm honest, the discipline is now, initially because it was so scary and so I'm a full on, praying like crazy now as it's beginning to get a bit more normal those rhythms of prayer can oh it's not quite as essential (laughs) but actually just you know whether it's going out for a walk and praying or or running and praying just the kind of pounding of the feet on the on the pavement it's like you know god knocking on the door of heaven please would you come um for me worship is so key just spending time putting on playlists playing the guitar singing uh interceding um, I, I love reading the Bible. I find that, re- you know, finding a great, you know, book to get into. The, all of these things are really, um, you've got to find what works for us, but we, we'll do it if we believe, you know, actually God is the way that without mm. God we're stuff. So uh, I think that's the challenge, you know, who, who, who are we allowing to build the church? <laughs> who do we trust to build it? Um, and they're, they're, they're difficult things because as leaders, allowing you know letting go of control is really challenging Hmm. i want to keep chatting about a few other things um but i want to just to pause and see if you're up for it um can we just pray for leaders listening right now um just around comparison fear Mm. exhaustion Mm. uncertainty and we'll, we'll carry the conversation. We'll figure out a way to transition out of our prayer time back to a conversation. But I just don't want to brush past it because at a certain point, it's kind of like we can talk all day. Um, but I just want to park here and just, yeah, if, you know, there's pastors yeah. and their teams and people listening. Yeah. If you could just pray for them, that would be beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Lord Jesus, we come before you. And I guess for most of us as leaders, uh, we are so aware of our limitations our faults our bad habits ways of thinking are um the ease with which we can assume control and drive things in our own strength but lord deep within us is a longing to see them more mm-hmm. to see uh something of heaven something of your spirit where we stand back and we say that that could only be god <laughs> Lord, in my life, I, I want to be part of things where I look back and say, you know, that wasn't just because we had a great gifted worship leader or preacher or, you know, or a wealthy person could fund this. That was miraculous. That was a, only God could have pulled that off. Lord, that's what we all long for, to be a part of mm-hmm. a God story. And so, Lord, I pray for leaders listening, even now, where they maybe feel a bit tired or a bit unsure, or they resonate with that thing of comparison, or they're feeling guilty that they're not praying enough, or that they don't enjoy spending time with you enough. Lord, I pray even now that you would uh, deposit something in their hearts mm-hmm. and in their minds and awaken a sense of, oh my goodness, I'm loved. I'm loved. And actually spending time, God, in your presence, enjoying you, just sitting still with you, walking with you. It, it nourishes our souls. It, it strengthens us. It, it, it gives us a sense of faith and perspective. So, Lord, even now, supernaturally, reconnect with us mm-hmm. so that we might uh, lead not out of fear or out of ego or out of comparison, but we, we lead out of this delight and joy and love for you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate that, Tim. Hey, we're going to jump right back in a second to our conversation with Tim. But before we do, I want to just tell you a little bit about what Compassion Canada is up to. As you know, COVID-19 pandemic has changed almost everything. And one thing it has impacted massively is the development work that great organizations are doing around the world. And so we wanted to highlight the work of Compassion so that we as a local church here in Canada and beyond can continue to partner with organizations like this who are trying to relieve poverty in Jesus' name. And for my wife, Rach, and I, we've been on a journey with Compassion for a number of years. We've been sponsoring kids for, ooh, 
over five years now with them. And it's just been so meaningful as I found out more and more about compassion. Because I guess when I first started supporting them, I didn't realize how church focused they were. That deep in their values and their culture, compassion is about working with the local church in regions around the world so they can give development and service and holistic life-changing care and do it in the name of Jesus and in a way that lifts up the churches in the community. And that's why we're so excited to partner with them on this podcast, because the picture is this. What if churches in Canada were able to support churches around the world reaching the most vulnerable? And the Compassion can be a bridge for us to do that. So I want to encourage you, reach out to the team at Compassion, find out more about what they're up to, specifically in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, and find out how you might be able to jump on board build some bridges, and partner with Compassion to serve the church around the world as they reach out to the least of these in Jesus' name. Find out more at Compassion.ca. Okay, let's jump back into our conversation with Tim Hughes. I know it's a huge value for you Mm. as a leader, as a pastor, and as a worship leader, I know this has been part of your ministry, to like invite people to experience God. You know, to experience mm. the Holy Spirit through prayer ministry, through worship. Yeah. And I just want to hear a bit more about that value for you, because I just it so clearly marks your ministry. I see you prioritizing in different ways. And just want to know a bit about like, yeah, just to put some flesh on that value so we can understand where that comes from and what that looks like for you. Yeah, well, I mean, just to give give context. So I grew up um, in this church and ministry cell survivor and, and my dad's church, um, which had been incredibly marked by the vineyard movement, John Wimber. And what, what he, he did is this, the sense of the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's work to bring life. You know, says the flesh count in John um, 6.63, the flesh counts for nothing, the Spirit gives life. And, uh, and again, sometimes in the church, everything around the Spirit of God has it, been kind of almost sensationalized. This is kind of crazy, mystical, like, hyped, at times abused uh, thing, kind of sometimes detached from great thinking and theology and scripture. But actually we were modeled this thing of actually the spirit wants to fill us. The spirit wants to equip us to come alongside us. The, The paraclete, you know, this one who comes alongside to guide us, the light that reveals Jesus, uh, the spirit ministry to heal, uh, to bring joy, you know? and, And so actually it was communicated that, um, this could be done in a very normal, relaxed way. Um, and I, for me as a kid, I, rem- I remember 11 years old going to this conference, growing up, knowing the stories about God, um, but walking in and in the midst of worship, I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, the, the way it was just a deep, deep love for Jesus. And, you know, from that day on, I've never, ever considered doing anything mm. else with my life and, giving it all up for Jesus. And, you know, I've got 12-year-old kid now, you know, 11-year-old boys, or looking at them, that's quite young to be thinking, Just, to, but it was the spirit so consumed me. And so I guess in my ministry, I've always thought, I don't want people to come and be impacted by a song or a talk, or that's not really going to produce much fruit. That's not really going to make much difference. But if people could experience the love of Jesus mm. and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Oh my goodness, that is exciting. And, and again, that means it's the pressure's not on me or the preacher or whoever the leader is. It's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I've just seen so many times people, normal, ordinary people, filled with the Spirit doing extraordinary mm. things. I think that's what the Spirit does. So, you know, whenever I've led worship, whenever I've preached any meeting, I'd always create space to pray for the Spirit of God to come. Um, and again, often that might just be standing quietly, giving space. I mean, I, th- I think practically sometimes the church has gone into such crazy overdrive the last 15 years, you know, and this kind of sometimes creative overload where we're terrified of silence and space. Hmm. Every second has to be marked with a, a dance and a flashing video and a great little preach and a song and, a, you know, and you get to the end, you're exhausted and, you know, you don't quite know what's hit you. Actually, what about having a bit of silence just to ponder? What, what have we just heard from God's word? What, what, what is God speaking to me about? Um, what pain, what questions, what hurts do I need to bring to God? What things am I really needing God to speak into my heart? And as we do that, and as the spirit begins to move, 
I've just seen this incredible, it's like a mass multiplication of ministry. Hmm. Because you, you, you believe then, because when you ask, you know, Scripture tells us when you ask, you believe in faith that God pours out his spirit. And I just love the idea of people leaving our church services, having met with Jesus by his spirit, and God having equipped them and empowered them to do something beautiful in their lives. Um, takes the pressure off me, and, and I've seen it's, it's just so much more powerful. So I just think it's a really important part of ministry. Again, we're trying to engage with a particularly younger demographic. <clears throat> what, what I've found and experienced is young people are spiritually very, very inquisitive. Um, and sometimes we've been terrified of people coming into church meetings where maybe someone is filled with spirit and falls over or someone is prayed for, you know, and healed or, or, or the gift of tongues. And, you know, people, they will put people off church. My experience has been completely the opposite. When people come into a meeting where the ministry of the spirit is facilitated in a very normal Bible-based way, it is incredibly exciting. Because people are finding all these spiritual experiences through, you know, the occult or drugs or whatever it is, new age. Um, and actually, we need to get them to experience the power of the Spirit of God. Um, and, and we're seeing often as people come to church, they have this spiritual encounter. They then have all these questions and they start asking these questions and maybe push them through to something like Alpha. And, and, and it's a way of people discovering the love of Jesus Christ. So for me, I'm totally convinced and sold that if the church is going to grow and make a difference, uh, we need to give space for the Spirit of God to move in power. Mm -hmm. Practically, mm -hmm. when you're doing like service programming, and I know this looks different in, in the midst of COVID, but maybe if you like aggregate how this has looked over a couple of years, including now, yeah. what does that look like practically as you do service programming? Because I think at the end of the day, I think we program what we value you know, yes. and so, um, and yeah. yeah, I just, I guess you say make space. And I think that can mean a lot of different things. I'm just curious, yeah. like if you'd be kind of patient with me to kind of describe it in more detail. Yeah. yeah so we, we would have, um, a service leader, we call it a gathering leader. <clears throat> and I guess it would be their responsibility would be to try and navigate what we think the Spirit of God is doing. But it would be done in slight conversation. So, you know, the worship leader and, and, and the preacher. Um, but what would often happen is, you know, that person would open the service with a prayer or introduction or welcome, make people feel relaxed. Then we would worship. Now, often we found off the back of worship, you get to the end, you know, and I've been in meetings lots of times with you, Jason, where something's been happening is we've been singing these songs as people are engaging with God. Um, and it might feel right in that moment to say, look, gosh, there's a, and it, it, it's hard to kind of quantify, but sometimes you, you just feel that there's something, a, a sense of peace and a presence in, in the room, or there's just like, hang on, it, it would just feel wrong to quickly close it with a prayer and move on to the notices. And it's just like, hey guys, look, we're just going to take a moment. You know, there's a beautiful sense of stillness, of quiet. I'm going to pray, you know, God, Holy Spirit, would you would you come and just fill us afresh? Come and meet with us. Come and reveal Jesus to us. All these people with lots of different needs and questions, and more than anything, they long for a touch from your Holy Spirit. Would you come and you just give a bit a bit of space? And part of the thing as a leader is um, just to be looking to watch to see uh, what, what what God is doing. Again, that's one of the key um, things. Mike Blavatsky says, "Virus of." train me in is when you're leading the most important question is to be asking god what are you doing you know i think for many leaders the question is when am i on <laughs> what, what time is it what you know you know um I hope, I hope the production guys have got my slides ready um but uh, god what are you doing and and you begin to look with very different eyes hmm. when when you do that and, and and it might be just you have a few moments of silence and it's like great amen thanks god you know we're now notices coming up you know and then often off the back of the teaching sometimes you know i i think all great teaching has to lead to application to some kind of response um and so often it'd be you know you've, you've had a talk and it's like well again we're just going to create space we're going to ask the spirit just to cement to confirm maybe what he's been speaking to our lives but you know we, we were talking you know maybe you're talking about the father our father heart of god some of you are here 
and you, you, you don't really understand the goodness of God as a father because your human experience. If that's you and as, as you were hearing this teaching and something we're longing for you just to feel God's love for you, receive it. And, and often what we would do, we'd invite people to the front. Now, there's nothing magical about the front, um, but I, I think there's something about, as human beings, identifying, I need that, I want that. There's a, there's mm. a step of faith of like, God, I want that. And, and, and we know God responds to humility. God is drawn to desperation. And I think one of the big curses um, of the Western affluent church is we, 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 we kind of know we need God, but we're also pretty comfortable knowing we've got a lot sorted in our own strength. And for many of us, leaders are often the worst. The thought of putting your hand up, walking to the front, in front of a congregation saying, do you know what? I need to understand more about God's love for me. It, 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 it's hard, it's painful, it's a bit disruptive. But I, I just think there's something beautiful that just breaks this kind of need for us to prese present ourselves in control. And I, I think God just honors that. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Then you gather a few people around them and you just pray over them. And, and often people will be in tears and we'll often see lots of people come forward. And, and then it might be you want to pray into a few different things. Hey, I just, as we were praying before, um, a few people had these pictures about knees don't entirely know what it means, but may, maybe God wants to heal people with dodgy knees. If you've got a dodgy knee, come to the front, we're going to pray for you. Um, and whilst we're praying, we're going to just quietly keep worshiping. You know, it, it can make it really normal, but I, I just think creating space, God honors it. Hmm. I, I, and, and I think the other great thing I think about creating space is you're teaching your community and your church to engage with God themselves. Again, the danger of a really heavily packed program where we're doing church is that's great for the moment, but when you're not there in their lives during the week, they don't know what to do. How do I meet with God? And I haven't got Pastor Billy telling me, now you're going to stand, now you're going to raise your hand, now you're going to read this, now we're going to pray. You know, you're actually, when you create space, you're teaching people how to, how to engage with God on their own. Hmm. I've heard you say before that you want to build a church that has worship at the center. Yeah. What does that mean for you as a pastor leading a congregation with a vision for multiplication to put worship at the center? Yeah, well, I think all of these things, they have to come from our love for Jesus and our understanding of his love for me. And I, you know, I think worship, bottom line, it's about understanding God's love for us and responding back in love. And of course, that is expressed, as we see in Romans 12, verse 1, often the whole of our bodies, you know, the way we treat people, our money, our ambition are you know words but also i think there's a beautiful thing that does happen in the context of adoration and devotion music and and i think um someone once said you know how do you make someone hungry you eat in front of them and i think when, when people see a church or a group of people just in love with someone passionate about something willing to die for something that's compelling the reason the church at times hasn't grown is because People don't seem that bothered or excited by anything, you know, but when, when people walk, and again, we see it time and time again, when people come into our Sunday services, one of the most common responses is, I just wept, embarrassed, you know, I just, I was talking to a lady the other day, she said, I'm bringing my mum to church, and I've told her, mum, you're going to cry, get ready, you're going to cry, you know, they're not Christians, but what is it that they're experiencing the Spirit of God, but they're also in a community where they're experiencing incredible love, that's powerful. Mm. And so um, I think worship is key because it keeps Jesus at the center and it, it, it keeps us uh, doing it for the right reasons, the joy of this amazing thing that God has called us his children. You know, that we, we, you know, it's not our responsibility to save the world, it's his, and that we get to just enjoy him. You know, the Westminster Catechism say, you know, the chief end of man, humankind, our main goal is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think uh, when we keep that right, church is going to flourish and we're going to flourish. Well, I love that. And I'm really grateful for your time today um, to spend time chatting and encouraging us. So appreciate you a ton, man.
Well, I'm just so thankful to Tim for taking time to share with us today. We've got highlights from this interview available on our blog, as well as our Instagram and YouTube channels. We take some of the links and quotes and ideas and anything that was referenced in these episodes, and we make them all available on a single blog at cclnca slash blog. And I also want to encourage you to check out worshipcentral.ca. Worship Central is a ministry that Tim Hughes started, really designed equipping local churches to raise up dynamic worship leaders. And their expression in Canada is strong. They run an academy, which is a training program that runs over a number of months. They do an annual conference and have tons of resources available for you and people in your local church that are wanting to grow in that way. So check out worshipcentral.ca. Hey, we are almost 20 episodes into this new season. I can't believe it. It's been so much fun. And what's been most fun for our team is seeing the podcast reach and serve more and more people each week. And the main way that this podcast grows in reach and serves more people is because people like you have been sharing it with their friends and posting reviews on whichever platform you're watching this on. So when you give it a rating and a review and share it with a friend, it really does go a long way. And it really encourages us. And some of you have been sending in notes with questions and thoughts, sometimes for the people that we're hosting, and also just response to some of the themes we've been talking about in general. We take those really seriously. We love hearing from you. So please keep it coming. Now, before you go, I want to thank our friends at Briarcrest College and Seminary for contributing to make this podcast happen this summer. They've been a partner for the whole summer, and it's been so fun working with them. I've been to Briarcrest myself a number of times, and I'm always so impressed by the quality of the community I find there. And the stories I hear around there from people who have graduated from Briarcrest and they speak about the positive experience that they had at their school because it's a school that values not just community, but serious spiritual formation, a robust, deep theological backing. I mean, the biblical training there is phenomenal. And so as you're thinking or someone in your life is thinking about the next steps they're going to take as they prepare for life in ministry or as they prepare for life in other sectors but want to have a biblical Christian foundation for it, I want to encourage you to consider consider Briarcrest. You can find more about those programs online. It's easy to find. We've got something else really fun I want to throw at you, and it's called the Youth Ministry Online Summit. Some friends and I have gotten together. We've worked with Alpha in Canada and Youth Worker Community, the ministry formerly known as the Canadian Youth Worker Conference. And they've gotten together, and what they've done is they've decided to host two training events, the first on August 19th and the second on September 12th, all online, world-class speakers and communicators. The event on the 19th is primarily designed for youth pastors and youth staff who are leading on staff within the context of a church or organization. So that first gathering really is for that point person. This is a chance to encourage them and set them up as they're thinking about this fall's ministry program, even in the midst of COVID-19. And then on September 12th, we've got another event available for them, but this time it's for their whole team of volunteers. So we wanted to make it as easy as possible for local youth workers to train their team of volunteers. So we thought, let's do it all together online. It's going to be incredible. To find out more about it, check out youthministryonlinesummit.com. Okay, that's all for today. We'll see you guys later. Bye.